Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, everybody. Hi, I'm Amy, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Just need to tell you, my um, laptop's doing some funky things, so... um, um, I will, I'm good with, with the sound right now, but it might take me a little bit to get myself unmuted when I'm done, just as an FYI. Um, the other thing is just to get just quickly current is, um, I have a 20 year old son who's in Ann Arbor and he had an accident today and, um, he's okay, but he needed some hand surgery. So, um, I, this is all just happening in real time and, um, and I'm flustered. Um, so just, just so you know, and I already feel like I'm going to start to cry. So just to, to let you know, um, I am so grateful for the life that I have today as the result of the, uh, 12 steps and 12 traditions, my relationship with my higher power and the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it, I guess, you know, probably really started, uh, because of, of, of the big book, um, which led me to, um, you know, the, the life that I have. And um, I have a really rich life. And although I don't sound um, what I like to say, uh, um, uh, alive, awake, alert, and enthusiastic right now, it's only, um, it's only because I'm just dealing with the emotion of being really far away from somebody like first time that's it's happened that I, you know, been far away from him when something's happened like this. So, um, Um, so, um, where I came from is, um, you know, I think of myself really as a garden variety compulsive overeater. Um, um, it, uh, I, I was just, you know, I, I was somebody who, um, you know, ate, ate quantities, um, bags of cartons of, um, um, whatever, whatever the, whatever you bought at the store is the serving size for me plus whatever else. And, um, and, um, and to, to understand, you know, to understand my disease, you know, I, I learned about how to understand my disease from, from reading the big book. And, um, you know, I have, um, I have, a um, I have the, the mental obsession and physical craving and, um, I have a disease of, of more, you know, um, uh, one, one is too much, a thousand is not enough. Um, and, um, I realized that for myself that, um, um, eating, uh, eating compulsively was less of a, um, thing that calmed me like, like, or, or it was like, I had it like, 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 uh, you know, like I, I took, like I took a drug and, and it made me sleepy or something. It was, um, more of a distraction for me. Um, if I was engaged in compulsively eating, um, then I wasn't engaged in, um, um, feeling. So I am somebody who has, um, uh, you know, you know, they say, you know, life can, you know, you know, life isn't easy or, you know, life should be this or life should be that and positive things. And I've just 
you know, I don't know, I feel like perhaps I wear all of my, my nerve sensors right on, you know, outside of my skin, you know, life, life is very over, can be very, very overwhelming for me. And, um, and when I, uh, ate compulsively, um, I was distracted from how overwhelming things felt. And, um, and, um, though I will, I am also somebody who, um, I don't know, the big book talks about, you know, um, drinking alcohol, eating food, rather for, for ease and comfort. Um, I don't, I don't really know how much comfort I've actually ever felt or, or ease. Um, but it was a, it was a, a distraction and I suppose that is ease and comfort. And, um, um, and then the, the other thing that I, that I, um, would do, and this was, and this happened really early on, it was, um, the, um, the eating, the compulsive, you know, eating compulsively and then, um, and then beating myself up for it. And it was always, always, you know, like, um, um, just the double whammy. It wasn't enough that I ate. Then I had to beat myself up for eating. I, so I was somebody who always felt remorse from eating compulsively. Never once was it just like I had it. I was like, ah, okay, I can go on with my day. I didn't really ever have a smile on my face afterwards. Um, and, um, and I'm somebody who's really um, fortunate. And I'm fortunate because the pain of eating compulsively um, um, and, and my, my desperation and, um, um, and what I hope was my bottom, it happened for me early on, earlier on in my life. Um, um, uh, it was, you know, before I came into to program, I was always searching for that one. I was looking for that silver bullet, looking for that one thing that if I just ate, it was going to fill that hole and it was going to just wipe out the problems. And that never happened. And I lived in New York city. And, um, I remember I just picked an Avenue and I was like, here's this one bakery item. And I'm just going from bakery to bakery to buy it. And so I would buy it and I would take a bite. And then I was like, Oh, Nope, this didn't do it. Throw it in the garbage can and then go to the next bakery and buy the same thing. You know, I mean, there was, there was, you know, and that was the least of my insanity. Um, you know, the most of my insanity is really how this disease impacted um, my relationships because of how I felt about myself, um, which I didn't like myself at all. And, um, and, you know, um, before, before I, you know, came into program. I mean, I was definitely at a place where I, you know, I just really felt like I just couldn't stop eating. There was nothing I could do to stop eating. And then it was like, um, and when I would start eating compulsively, it really felt like somebody had shoved me on a chair, tied my hands behind my back, forced my mouth open and shoved food in it. And that is how compulsive overeating felt to me. Um, and um, I had learned about this program actually it was uh, 17 and um, a really good friend of the family had given my mom a pamphlet for me, which is really weird because I didn't have any sense that, um, you know, my mom had weight problems, but she'd always been successful with diets and I had tried all them. And, you know, I lasted for about 30 seconds before um, I would 
you know, it was, it was too painful to be without that protection that I felt like, I guess, food gave me. And, um, so anyway, she, you know, passed it on and I was 17 and, um, you know, it mentioned God and I was like, yeah, no, you know, toss that out. Um, but when I was uh, 19 years old, by the grace of uh, my higher power, I was um, really desperate and um, I had been working with a therapist who recommended um, perhaps that I try out an OA meeting. I knew about OA and everything at that point. Um, but that I go to a meeting. And so um, November of 1985, I went to my first OA meeting and it was really big, really, really big. It was maybe, it was over 150 people and um, it was standing room only. It was the, uh, I always like to say it for people who were ever on the East Coast. It was the uh, York 11 meeting, Saturday mornings. And um, um, I lasted for about 15 minutes. It was quite overwhelming to be around all those people and I was not quite ready. Um, and then, uh, February, 1986, um, I did come crawling back. Um, you know, I sat in a meeting, um, and, um, a much smaller meeting, maybe there was 12 people there or something. And, um, and everything anyone shared was enlightening to me. It was, um, like, how did they know this about me? This is exactly what I think. This is like, I, I never felt so understood in my life. And I'd have to say, that up until then, I, I would pro probably describe myself as feeling like very much misunderstood. Um, uh, I think people in, in my family had trouble understanding, um, you know, like I had such low self-esteem and like, like, oh, I do this or they, they say nice things about me. I could never, I could never take it in. Um, and then I really understood that that's just, um, it's part of the disease that I have of, of, of compulsive eating. And so, um, so there, my journey in Overeaters Anonymous started then. And, um, honestly, I, I say again, like by the, the grace of my higher power, and it has to be grace because I have, there's, I don't know what a perfect working of this program is about, but I certainly never have worked it perfectly. Um, um, and I've, you know, February 15th, 1986 is actually my abstinence date. So, um, you know, what is that? that what is, thanks. Then, you know, so, so what does that mean now? So, you know, I think it's important to share the part about the identification. Um, so people understand and relate to like, you know, why we're all here. Um, and, um, and one of the things that I noticed um, when I had stopped eating compulsively is a lot of the noise in my head, like it disappeared. So I hadn't realized how much screaming and yelling was going on in my head, how much self-abuse really was going on in my head. And when I stopped eating compulsively, I found myself in a place where it was much quieter. Um, and I was also somebody, you know, people talk maybe about pink clouds or like, oh, I got abstinent and then I felt so good. And it just felt so, you know, I went from, oh, okay, I'm not eating compulsively anymore to I am feeling, I was like a river feeling and, oh my gosh, the, the crying and the <laughs> anger and, you know, New York city in the eighties. And I had a lot of nickels and quarters in my pocket and I'm going on pay phones and calling my sponsor and crying. And, and it was, um, it was quite this cathartic experience. 
So, um, you know, what, what keeps me, what keeps me coming back and, and what keeps me coming back is that it works. We've been given a very simple set of spiritual tools, which have been laid at our feet. It's such a miracle. I think like how, gosh, for all that to work out for Bill and for Bob and Hank and all these Fred and all these early people who came in and just laid a groundwork, laid a way of living. And it is a blueprint for living. And so I have with me, I always bring, this is my oversized big book. And yes, on the one hand, it does make things easier to read right now. But on the other hand, I really like it because I can in pencil and use the margins and, um, and I now study the big book. So, you know, I, when I came in, there was no OA literature. It was, um, it was the big book and I had the AA 12 and 12. And um, um, there was no OA steps. Um, and, and so I sort of uh, grew up on a program that was very, um, um, I guess, more, very, you know, very grounded in the history or more grounded in the history of AA. And I found over the years, and I've used different books and pamphlets, and I have them all, um, that I find myself after 35 years, really coming back um, in the last three years or so, um, to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and really, um, for me, studying it, um, um, studying it and, and asking questions and realizing it truly is for me. Um, it gives me all of my instructions, like what is it that I do next? How do I behave in this situation? And really the instructions are contained in the first 164 pages. And I would also say that a couple of those first stories in the, in the story section too are really helpful for that. And, you know, I didn't have a blueprint for living before. I didn't know how to solve problems. So, you know, like today, what happened today? So all this stuff happens and I see myself getting worked up and I say, you know, my son does not want, won't talk to me if I'm all hysterical on the phone. And by the way, this accident, it happened to him. It didn't happen to me, but I, you know, I'm, I am selfish. You know, it's the truth and self-centered. And I like to make all these things and all this stuff and drama about me. Oh, it's me. Uh, no, I'm actually my, it's my son who's in the hospital right now. It's, it's not, it's not me. And he's fine. I mean, he really is fine. I've seen him. He's fine. And it's going to be a healing, but he's fine. But see the disease, the, the addict, it wa wants the drama, wants the attention, wants to make it all about me. And, and what happens is when I, when I follow that path, I really lose myself. And so, you know, today I had a choice. Um, I had a choice of, of, you know, being hysterical or making it about me, or I had uh, a, a choice of not doing that. Um, I didn't, while it was all happening, I was a little bit in suspended animation. It was a little frozen. Um, no, did I, did I remember to reach out to my higher power? I have to be honest, I didn't. I didn't say, oh, God, help me, and blah, 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 or whatever. But when I was taking my walk with my dog, when I got outside, and, you know, I, I called somebody in program, I was able to get that center back again. And I was able to remember, and this is why having, thanks, just having this meeting is such a blessing because in this meeting, now I have a chance 
to give service. And most importantly, and talks about in the big book a lot is being useful. How, how can I be useful? Well, if I'm in, if I'm, if I'm worried, if I'm in morbid reflection, if I'm in resentment, if I'm in fear, well, I'm not really useful to anybody. I'm not useful to myself. I can't be a channel, my higher powers, peace. There's really that. And not only that, it's not just about being useful. I'd be miserable. So I'm really grateful, like even like, you know, I know like there's a reason why, like I have an opportunity to share tonight and it's so I can carry a message um, and, um, and not be, not have to live or be or muck about in my own stuff. So um, I am really grateful to be here um, and um, thank you for receiving me like with, you know, a loving and kind and compassionate way when like I'm coming in raw, more raw today than 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 uh, than I probably normally would be on a Friday evening. So thanks.